The Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast is with you to talk through what you're watching, listening to, and reading. What you need to check out this weekend, what you can skip next, it's all fair game. For pop culture in high spirits, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. My name is Eliza Minot, and my book is the novel In the Orchard. The Minot family is a literary one, made up of seven siblings, each with their own literary aspirations and successes. Eliza Minot, the youngest, has written three books of her own, and the newest is titled In the Orchard, following Maisie, the mother of four, throughout just one day. Maisie laments the stresses of debt, child-rearing, and the emotional labor of motherhood, all of which take a toll on her throughout the day. I spoke with Eliza Minot about Maisie's internal conflicts, how she crafted the narrative, and her experience growing up in a family of bibliophiles. I'm Beth Golay from KMUW Studios, part of the NPR Podcast Network. This is Marginalia. Could you give our listeners a, a brief description of the book? Let's say it covers a day, almost less than a day, in the life of a young mother of four small children. She's given birth about two weeks prior. We meet her nursing. She's actually dreaming when we first meet her. And then she wakes up from a dream. It's the middle of the night. And so the reader sort of follows her thoughts in and out of memories, thinking about her friends, thinking about her past, thinking about her girlhood, thinking about her mother who died when she was a little girl, her grandmother, her brother, her father, her family, her young kids. There's a lot of just kind of musing or not even musing, reflecting and wondering and um, worrying, I guess we'll say also. Well, then they eventually do get out of bed. This small family goes to an orchard of the title. So they are in the orchard. That's a kind of rambly, but you're helping me (laughs) (laughs) consolidate it. Maisie is our is our main protagonist, and the book touches on the burdens associated with motherhood. Uh, as May, the baby is only two weeks old. Plus, Maisie and Neil have three other children. Plus, there's the stress of debt and child rearing and being a spouse and division of household labor. And at one point, Maisie thinks, "If I'm trying to get through these days, to what end am I trying to do that? What if I stop trying?" So. Talk to me about what Maisie is going through, whether it's postpartum or or what. Because, I mean, I'd be reading along and Maisie would randomly think out of the blue about money. And these burdens and this slog was very internal. Yes. And I do. I myself, I mean, a lot of experience. I did raise four small children and did. I am a writer and did feel like, okay, before I move on to writing about other things, I sort of need to explore this just because I was stewed in it for, you know, 10 years, 15 years. I'm not answering your question, though. Back to your question. The worries, I think, particularly money is just such a common worry of everyone. And then when when people are responsible for other people, it's even more of kind of a concern and sort of how it just it's a it's a kind of a classic outside of yourself worry that one can control to a degree, but also that one can't control in many other ways, especially when a market crashes or when things, you know, just be bigger than us or seem to be, you know, in control of us. Much like 
mortality or, you know, the things that happen to people or the fragility of what's inside our bodies or what is happening in accidents and, you know, just everything. I don't mean everything is so random that you just think to what end am I doing this? But there are moments in everyone's life when you think, what is this all for? And oh my, I mean, that is certainly a common humanity thing. (laughs) And I did find as a young mother, especially when it all was so brand new, there was so much joy, so much sort of poetry in it and so much wonder and just kind of wackiness, wildness. There also was so much terror isn't really the right word, but um, yeah, worry or, you know, fragility, like resilience and fragility. And I mean, this is getting away from money, but it's not really because money is so much part of our, especially this society we live in, male dominated, you know, it's like there's, it just stands for so much money, I guess. Just all of that intensity with all of these little, with little people and raising people, all of the sort of mysteries of life I found are just underlined. And whether that's grief, whether that's mortality, whether it's being grateful or being, you know, patient. I don't just all the sort of things that I had been aware of my whole life long as being important or, you know, knowing I should pay attention to. It just is so obvious when you've got when I had little people under me. So there is that feeling often of what is this all for? But then at the same time, what else is there? You know, it's like everything is so contradictory, like incredibly intensely important and also hysterically surreal you know it's like it's kind of was just a crazy time and I know it's not a crazy it's it's everyone who's been alive has gone through it in one way or another whether they've caregiven caregiven siblings little cousins they've been taken care of by someone maybe not well all the time but someone's had to tend to you otherwise you wouldn't have made it down the street when you were two years old you touched on this a little bit in that you you yourself have four children, as does Maisie, and, and it's easy for the reader to assume that fiction can be somewhat autobiographical. Is there is there truth to that in this novel, or, or is this fiction that did not come out of your life? I mean, I wish I could almost give it a percentage, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> actually, 30% or so is quite, I do have four kids, they're gender is different you know there's a different makeup and order or whatnot and we definitely as a group have visited an orchard you know as a regular family in suburban New Jersey so there are aspects that some of my older kids have read and been like oh that's familiar but I certainly don't think it's like this is me and this is my husband and this is you know if I were to write a memoir about even my own childhood and my, I grew up in a very large family. My mother did die. I wrote about that in my first book in a way, you know, that was also a different family, different kind of experience. But if I were to write about myself, I don't know how people do it, which is why I enjoy writing fiction because I can, I can riff on things that I've experienced and seen or that I wonder about, or, you know, you don't need to stick to anything. So I can do whatever I want. So I don't know if that answers your question, but a lot of what I write about or why I feel like I write 
which maybe going back to my first book, my mother did die. I did write about that. And it was sort of a way to remember her and make sure I wouldn't forget her. And it wasn't even her, but it was just sort of the exercise of doing that. And, you know, things about her that I know are in that book, but they're not maybe obvious to, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until after I'd written that, maybe even years later that I realized that a lot of what I'm doing when I'm feeling compulsive to write, because I think most writers are slightly compulsive in their habit of doing it, is just trying to keep life from disappearing. So in my own experience of having little kids, I don't know if I, as I was doing it, was aware of that. But now that it's done, I'm glad I have something written down that will remind me of that time. That's kind of a roundabout answer, but... (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> perfect. You know, as you mentioned, In the Orchard takes place over the course of one single day, but it's also made up of Maisie's memories of, of pregnancy, of early motherhood, and challenges that come with this time. And so I guess I'm curious about how you wrote the book. Is the fictional narrative organized, you know, how you wrote it? Is that how we see it? Or did you focus on writing specific memories and then weave those in later? I guess I'm asking more about craft. Yes. That's an interesting question, because the way long when I began, this book had a different title. It was called American Standard. It was going to be kind of about families, siblings, debt, you know, the market crashing. Like it was sort of more, that's sort of where the trail of the money stuff is left behind, just because it seemed appropriate at any era. People are worrying about that, especially young families. But it just, I think because of what I had been experiencing, And what I felt sort of um, not obsessed with, but it's like I tell my students to write about what you're preoccupied with. Like, don't ignore what your brain is kind of, you know, thinking about over and over. And it's it's fertile ground if that's where you're going already. You know what I mean? (laughs) And it's not so much that I was preoccupied with raising kids. Well, I guess that is a good word. I was just busy with it. You know, it was a, it was like I had said, I was stewed in it. That's maybe not the best word. I'm going to have to find a different one, not stewing, but it's like, you know, I was purely tinctured in child rearing. So not like I'm an expert, I'm going to write about this, but it's just like the little things about it that I wanted to write down. This isn't really answering your question about order things got moved around. Let's put it that way. And then when I realized, oh my God, I have so much stuff. And you know what? This is not a heavy plot driven situation. I just am going to slow down and focus on this morning and this afternoon. And I did back to endings. I did know the last sort of two sentences, like five years ago, even though I didn't know what it was going to be or what was going to happen or you know so I was sort of heading towards something like I was heading towards an end which I kind of knew the vibe of if that makes sense I had to go back and look at the last two sentences (laughs) yeah (laughs) there was a point in the book when Maisie remembered a conversation between her brother Miles and their dad Miles had finished reading Death Be Not Proud and he said something about you know, after you finished the book, he wondered how the people in it are doing, he wondered where they are. And you've spent more time with the folks in this book than we have. Do those people stay with you? Do you wonder where they are? 
I don't so much in my own books, but in other books that I, when I read, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I have thought, I mean, now that I'm not that I've written tons of books, but this has also been a long time. Like my last book came out in 2006. So it's been a long time of me, you know, I live in my mind thinking about writing and even when I'm not, and I read, and I mean, I know that that's what I'm inclined to do. So I don't feel like total farce of a writer but I think every writer feels a little bit of a farce of a writer so what I was gonna say is that now that this is my third I have thought like oh what if Bia the little girl in the first book meets these people when she's (laughs) older you know like (laughs) I could have like one day maybe I'll write a book where everybody meets at a island somewhere I mean that's just fun you know thinking like that but do I wonder how they are not really but when I read other books I like Miles wonder it's you know you miss them or it's not like they're dead but it is a little bit like you've lost I mean you've gained a character for sure but it's like when they are so alive you wonder what's happened to them or have they been okay were you surprised by anything as you wrote this book oh that's a good question you know I guess I was surprised like when you were asking about craft and sort of the patterns of writing it I had so much that I cut out. (laughs) Like I I just had a lot to say, I guess, or a lot to kind of mine in this terrain of young motherhood. To me, it's so rich in terms of um, all those things that we were just talking, like that I was mentioning of sort of the, of life fundamental things of even in society, you know, like, male female gender roles and you know just kind of stepping back and women who think have it all and whatever that means and is the real rebellion just not even participating in capitalism you know what I mean (laughs) that's all separate I didn't go on for pages about that best but (laughs) I was surprised at how much I guess just how much there is this isn't even you know, the day isn't even completed. It's sort of the book ends around maybe one thirty, or I don't know. They have, have they had lunch? I'm not really sure. I guess that surprised me. I read a piece in the New York Times that's almost 20 years old, and it, it dives into your literary family. It said that the members of your family got their love of storytelling from family dinners, and one of your brothers was quoted as saying, your currency was your ability to tell stories. If you can tell a story, then you get a moment of glory. You get love. There was the superpowered verbal activity. So you were the youngest of seven children, is that right? Yes. Was it difficult for you to get a chance to share your stories with the family? I mean, it just seems like the youngest is the one whose voice voice is the quietest, maybe. It's true. I mean, I think um, that is interesting. But in another way, I came kind of five years after six of them. So they were all very close. And that was a lot of hubbub. And, you know, I think a lot of sort of vying for attention. So I had a different kind of attention from them. And then when my mother died, I was seven and the oldest was 21. So the dynamic for me and the next one above me was 12. So there was sort of a seven to it. We had like a different little family experience at like the table. You know what I mean? Like when little kids were vying for those story moments of attention. I definitely, I guess, listened a lot more probably than I would talk until I got older. 
But that's always kind of been, I'm not like a super shy person, but I'm an introvert, but who likes people and can be extroverted with my friends or whatever. But, you know, in school, I wasn't super shy or anything. But in my family, I think I would um, listen more than talk for sure. There were a lot of characters to listen to, too. And there was not even so much telling story currency, but my father had a very, um, just kind of an au point way of talking. Like he'd say two words, but it would be kind of just right, you know? So the currency was almost not really humor, but just kind of being able to do that to him was a skill. I know that sounds very strange, but. (laughs) I love it. What do you hope readers take away from this book? You know, this maybe is such a kind of lame answer, but one of my answers, I do really feel like whatever they get, you know, it's like, I mean, I just, if it's, it's not a blank slate, but I don't know, whatever they need, you know, I mean, I know, like I was saying before, I do feel like I write to kind of keep life is one of the things I also am trying to figure out what I'm thinking and figure, especially to figure out what it is I'm thinking about the things I'm thinking about, you know, because it's easy to think about stuff. But once I write them down, for me, that's how I kind of come to understand what I'm thinking about and how I'm thinking about it and how to proceed. You know what I mean? And in the books, when I'm writing, I feel like I don't need to go there. That's my own thing. But for a reader, I just know when I'm reading, I can't even explain to the writer, I mean, if I were to ever sit down with them, what it is that I'm getting you know, so much, but it's just, I'm getting that kind of like life captured in a way that I can't even um, explain what it does for me because it's different every time. So I do, I guess, to be more specific, I do hope maybe a couple things, I guess I could be more specific. One would be just to be paying attention to little things Um, that maybe they didn't necessarily pay attention to and even thinking about their own mom or just whoever might have taken care of them when they were small. The book is In the Orchard. Eliza Minot, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. That was Eliza Minot, author of the book In the Orchard, which was published by Knopf. Marginalia was produced at KMUW Wichita and is part of the NPR Network. Our engineers are Mark Stasser and Torin Anderson. Our editors are Luann Stevens and Haley Krausen. Our producer is Haley Krausen, and our marketing coordinator is Carly Cooper. This is Marginalia, and for KMUW, I'm Beth Golay.